Do we sometimes get the signals messed up? We think our child is doing pretty well, but he's not. As parenting heroes, we want our children to feel our love. To know that they are worthy and needed. And to keep them connected to our family and the things that matter most. We are Kent and Amy Bowler, and we are here to fortify you in that divine calling as parenting heroes. This is where joy lives. Welcome to Revolutionary Families. Yes, we do. <laughs> I know we do. So there was a time a while ago when one of our sons, he was a teenager, and really one of the most obedient children we've ever had. Very calm, obedient, kind, loving, happy, um, fun to be around. Yeah, yeah. He was developing his talents and loved to do that and really just a happy, well-adjusted child. And we felt like he was doing great. And we felt like we were doing great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he's great, we're great. <laughs> then we had this, this instance happened and kind of gave us a clue that maybe things weren't as great as we thought they were. So he was taking a class and he was in this class, we were actually the mentors, the teachers for it. And it was one of those big projects that we did at the end of the semester was a moot court. And so they were put in teams and had to defend or prosecute one of the sides of this famous Supreme Court case. And as a team, they were to do the research and then write this brief legal brief and then do oral arguments like they would in front of a judge. And so they were going to do this two times. The first was a practice time and the second was like the real time. And so our son was on a team with two of his friends, another boy and another girl. And the boy was one of his really good friends and the girl was pretty good friend too. They were all three friends and they were super happy to be on this team together and having a great time doing this research. It was it was fun. It was fun to be doing it together. Going to write the brief was actually quite difficult, though. I think it ended up being, it's over 10 pages, probably more like 15. You have to get these valid arguments, you have to defend them, and has to be coherent, and it needs to be written in this certain form because it's a legal brief. Our son's friend kind of took the lead on writing the brief. Which one? The boy or the girl? Oh, the boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His friend, who was the boy, took the lead on writing this brief. And then our son and the girl, um, they saw kind of the rough draft and were, were saying, you know, I don't think this is the direction that they're wanting us to go. I don't think this is really the form of a legal brief. I don't think you can say things like that. They both kind of had some criticism of him, but specifically the girl. The girl really saw like, this is not going to fly. But our son, he told me later, like he didn't want to go against his good friend. And he didn't, even though he knew it wasn't good. Not only was it not the right form, but it, they just weren't good arguments. Um, You know, when people are talking and they're giving you just fluffy arguments, that's what it was. There wasn't evidence backing it up. It just wasn't super good. And they were on this team. So it kind of came down to the boy versus the girl. Our son's two friends kind of against each other kind of had differing opinions. And our son chose to kind of let it be and really to defend his friend, the boy, more than what the girl was saying, even though he really agreed with the girl. So he was like the tiebreaker? 
Yeah, he was kind of the tiebreaker. Yeah, and and so they the girl lost, and they went with the boy's decision, the direction that they followed with their brief, and then they did their oral arguments, which are based on the brief, and they really bombed it. They did not do a good job on their that part of the moot court. They lost the case, and it just wasn't good. And they got a lot of criticism from the judges, and a lot of criticism from the mentors, and just seeing like this isn't the right way. Basically, saying what the girl had been saying all along. And at the end of that experience, um, I remember talking with our son and kind of talking through this whole experience. And he was saying, I didn't want him to feel bad. I didn't want to stand up to him and say that maybe we should do it a different way. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't want to say it. No, it was a great, great learning experience. I love these learning experiences for our youth because I think in that example, he learned how to really stand up for himself. But I, as a parent, also learned that this son who seemingly from the outside has everything going for him and has no struggles in his life, he did have struggles. There were things that he wasn't confident on. He wasn't able to stand up in that instance and do the right thing. And this wasn't like an immoral thing or anything, but it was still a a situation where he knew and could have stood up and he chose not to. And so that really gave us a signal that he was struggling in the area of his own identity. He was lacking confidence. And typically that lack of confidence comes from a lack of understanding of who they really are. And that's what we want to share with you today is this principle of identity and really how we as parents can see the signals that they're struggling with their identity and how we can illuminate that, how we can strengthen their sense of identity. So great. It's a really good story. It was actually a a great learning experience for us as well, because we kind of picked up on that signal. And in retrospect, looking back, you know, many years after the fact now, we we see it much more clearly. There was that story. And then there were there were other things that happened after that, that were in that same vein, where we were thinking he was he was totally okay. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. He's got this he's he's on top of his life. When in fact, he really did have that inner struggle with who he really was, who he is. And so, yeah, we want to talk about what is identity and how do we help our children with their identity? And you were talking about what are the signals that we catch? So this is going to be a a three-hour podcast. (laughs) No. No, we won't. (laughs) Well, I just, we see this in our society. This is a huge problem that teenagers and young adults, and we're seeing it in the massive struggle with mental health, anxiety, depression, even suicide, just skyrocketing. We saw COVID being kind of like a beacon pointing that out and causing so many other problems. But it's a serious, serious issue that our youth are not understanding who they are. And what can we as parents do it? Because this isn't something that we can wrap up like a gift and just give to our children. It is something that they have to find for themselves. And so what is our role? Where do we come in that process? Yeah. So looking back at that story, we were looking at some of those external indicators, his performance, the way he interacted with his siblings, uh, the way that he was improving his skills, working on his talents, and thinking that that meant that he was clear on who he was, that his identity was solid, that he was solid with his own self, Mm -hmm. his own identity, that his worth was in place there inherently. And that wasn't the case. And that's kind of this misstep or this confusion that we make as human beings. We think that Mm -hmm. our confidence or our performance 
is an indication of our worth and our value. And really, our performance doesn't have anything to do with our value. Well, yeah, our value is constant. Our value our is constant. Our worth comes from God. We are children of God, and all of us have worth that can't even be valued is so, so great. And I think as parents, we see that in our children. We see that when they're babies and we look in their eyes and we see, we see a little child and you think about a teeny baby. We were just with our grandkids last weekend and you know, you look at a teeny baby and they are so precious. You have so much love for them as parents or grandparents, even, even if it's not your baby. You just, they're just so lovable. I know part of it is because they're cute, but part of it is just this inherent worth. And yet babies are hard. They are a lot of work. They are precarious. They need help all the time. They can do very, very little for themselves. As a parent, it's the hardest age to parent because they need you all the time. Maybe not when they're sleeping, but even when they're sleeping, you need to watch to make sure that they're sleeping the right way, that they're still breathing, they're doing okay. They're so easily to get sick. There's just so many things. And yet we just love them. And that's this inherent worth that we all come to this planet with this value, with this worth. And somehow along the way, we lose our sense of having that confidence. Um, you think of a little child who just like asks questions, isn't worried about what anybody thinks and just has just an innate sense of who they are. Little three and four year olds who just have a confidence about them. That's the kind of inner identity that we're talking about. And a lot of times as kids become teenagers, they lose some of that. They start feeling self-confident. We hear that word, feeling like they don't have self-worth. They feel bad. Oh, what if I say this? What is that person going to think about me? They worry about what they look like and how they're going to fit in and those kinds of things. And sometimes along the way, their sense of their own individual divine worth diminishes. And, and that's where we come in as parents. Um, and a lot of those external things that you're saying can be signals to us about how their worth is, but it's a difficult thing to determine. And I think in general, as parents, we just always want to be strengthening our kids' identity because, because we all need it. Helping them to see that their worth, their value doesn't change. Yeah. It is inherent. It's massive. It's infinite. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Think about the sun, the power of the sun. That's the size, the <laughs> magnitude of their worth as a son or daughter of God. Yeah. And these stories that we start telling ourselves, thinking or confusing or conflating our performance, good or bad, yeah. with our worth is just a common problem. It's a common fallacy, a trap that yeah. we fall into. Yeah. Now, those things that we do, those affect our character. If we are continually lying, then we have a character that is not strong. We have a weakness in the area, but we still have value. Our child makes a mistake, they still have value. And, and I think as parents, we know that. We know that even when our child does something wrong, we still love them or we need to still love them and help them to still love themselves. I know for our children, especially our younger children, that's one of the hardest things is they get so down on themselves, so hard on themselves when they make mistakes. Yeah, there's this really cool story that we love from the New Testament in the Bible. And it talks about this Samaritan woman who came to a well and Jesus is there and asked her to draw water for him. And she's stupefied that he even addressed her because she's Samaritan, he's Jewish and they don't talk. 
And so right off the bat, he's seeing her as an equal and seeing her as someone who has worth. And they get into this conversation and he asks her to bring her husband. She says, I have no husband. And he's all, yeah, but you do have someone. <laughs> and she, she had had four husbands and the man that she was living with currently was not her husband. And he knew all that and knew that about her and still talked with her and was actually the person that he declared who he was first to. I'm not sure if I said that very clearly. <laughs> She's the first person outside of the disciples who he tells explicitly who he is. Yeah. I'm the Messiah. I'm here to do this great work. And I have this living water to right. give you. Yeah. Right? It's this incredible, powerful story. And in that story, we are illustrating or we see illustrated this point that as children of God, we have infinite value. Mm -hmm. We have infinite worth. It didn't matter who she was, where she came from. It didn't matter the mistakes that she was making or the five mistakes she made before, whatever her life mm -hmm. looked like. Yeah. Christ saw her for who she was, and that was beautiful. It was powerful. It was the magnitude and magnificence of the sun, right? Yeah. Her, her identity, her worth was unchanged. It was immense. So the hard question is, how do we help our children to remember that worth? How do they remember how much God loves them? How do they strengthen their own sense of identity? Because I think the natural thing for me as a parent is to say, oh, you're so good. You're good at this. You're good at this. You have this talent. You are so beautiful. You're so handsome. You know, all of those kinds of things instead of that innate worth and how there's, it's a challenging thing as, yeah. as a parent. And, and so we have one step that we and one, one tool that we think is going to be a really great way for all of us to improve our ability to do this. Because we know with our son in this example, this was quite a few years ago, and we weren't quite sure what to do about it. We basically just talked with him about it and had a conversation, which was really valuable. But we didn't do as much of this other that we're going to share with you. So Amy was kind of dancing around it there just for a second, alluding to this idea that when we praise their performance, that doesn't really help. And it kind of keeps us in that mode of my value is based on my performance. And so we want to try using this different language that constantly conveys our love for them and the way that we value them, regardless of whether their performance was off the charts or not so great. In either case, whether they're struggling or whether they're doing amazing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And so this different language is being constant in our love. So when they do something great, we talk about the fact, I love seeing the joy on your mm -hmm. face as you did that, right? I love, yeah. I love the way that you got out there and did your best. I love that you've tried this new thing and wow, look at that. That was just so fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I loved seeing how you worked through this hard problem and you overcame it. That was extraordinary. I love mm -hmm. just as a person, I love listening to you practice your instrument. It's so beautiful to hear that music in our home, kind of the natural, the natural reaction, but also loving to see their growth. A lot of that is that mindset and really switching around our language so it's not dependent on performance so that they see that their identity is constant. Our love is constant which helps them to see that God's love is constant, regardless of what they do. And that doesn't mean 
that we don't care what they do. Of course we do. And we know that the closer they come to following God, following the Savior, is the more they are going to be happy in their life and the more they're going to be able to help other people. We're always striving for that. But this sense of identity is a different aspect of themselves and we really want to help them grow that. This is such a fundamental principle. It's literally the core of who we are as people. It's their core for who they are. And so this is just something that we want to be aware of, something that we want to be thinking about. And so this this is tricky. We get it. We know, right? <laughs> this switch in our language. And as we do that, to be constantly seeing them the way Christ saw that woman at the well. Yeah as beautiful. And again, we don't we don't necessarily have to call that out. We're not calling out the performance. It's just the feeling in our heart that they are always beautiful, that they are always enough, that they are always God's son, always God's daughter. Yeah. And as we remember that, it will spill over to them and it will help them to remember that. And there'll be times when we'll actually say it, when we'll say that you know how magnificent and amazing you are, even when you fall down. We love you. That's, that's really our, our challenge for you is to keep your love steady and to try some different language to communicate that steady love. You are beautiful and you have beautiful worth as God's daughter, as God's son, as parents. And we recognize the beautiful work that you are doing in helping your children to see their worth as God's children, as God's sons and daughters. And, and we, we see you. We, we love what you are doing. We love how you are doing it. And we love that you are engaged in the fight. And even though it's hard, you stay in it day after day. Yeah, and don't forget to go to revolutionaryfamilies.com. And we have an awesome PDF there. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it is the number one parenting secret. And that will help you to remember your child's genius, which helps you to help them to remember their worth. And always remember to trust that God trusts you.